We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we got a packed show tonight because there's news to talk about. We don't always have news to talk about, but we got news to talk about. We got a Jaguars game to recap. Nice win for the Titans there. I want to ask you some questions, really dive into Derrick Henry's workload, because right now, Henry is on pace to run the ball. This is a real number. 483 times this year. That seems crazy. We're going to talk about if that is a concern at all, if that's sustainable. We'll see. We'll talk about that. And then maybe get a little bit into the offensive line issues the Titans are experiencing before we bring on a special guest, Joe Marino from the Draft Network, from the Draft Dudes podcast, and the host of the Locked On Bills podcast, He'll come on to help us preview the Monday night football game between the Titans and the Bills. That's what we got on deck today. Justin, what's up? We got a lot to talk about today, man. A lot of news, a lot of stuff with IR, players coming in, COVID list guy. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot happened in Tennessee on Tuesday afternoon. Absolutely. Let's dive right into it. The Titans sign Avery Williamson, the linebacker who spent uh, a lot of time in Tennessee. Left. Four years, 2014 to 2017. His, his rookie contract came out as yeah. a fifth-round pick out of Kentucky Drafted, uh, from 2014 yeah. to 17, four years in Tennessee. And then signed a big deal with the Jets. Never really lived up to that deal. Terrible coverage linebacker. Great run stuffer. Was uh, one of the – I think he led the league in run stuffs or by PFF one year or some, some stat like that. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But really good in the run game, really bad in the passing game. But – what do you think this means right now? Is this an injury-related thing? Is this a Rashawn Evans has been playing really awful thing? Is this a Monty Rice isn't ready to contribute even though they drafted him in the third round kind of thing? Where do you what do you think this move indicates? That that it's tough to answer that question because really it, it could be any of those three or it could be a combination of all yeah. three. Look, firstly, Rashawn Evans has not played good football uh, in 2021. I mean, he didn't really play great football in 2020 either, but he really hasn't played good football in 2021. Uh, You saw, especially everyone listening to this will probably know, but that 58 yard run by Jacksonville on Sunday uh, was especially glaring, right? Where Rashawn Evans uh, abandons his gap. We have no idea why he decided to abandon his gap, but the fact of the matter is uh, he's not where he's supposed to be on the play. The run goes where he's supposed to be, and it goes for 60 yards. So that's a big problem. Uh, it, it was a huge error on his part. It was it was a mind-boggling one, right? One that we don't really know why he made. And I think Mike Vrabel uh, was not happy about it. I mean, in, in his press conference, I believe, I don't, can't recall now if it was on Monday, or I think it was on Monday when they asked him uh, about running plays. And, and, you know, Jacksonville obviously ran the ball at a pretty high level on Sunday. Uh, Vrabel said either we're not, we aren't where we're supposed to be or we're not tackling well. And when Vrabel, when he talked about either we're not where we're supposed to be, it's pretty obvious. I think that he was signaling that Rashawn Evans play. Cause that was the most glaring one it was Jacksonville's biggest run of the day. Vrabel called it unacceptable. 
shout out to Robert Greenlaw there for the unacceptable term, but <laughs> uh, there were, but, but really the most glaring issue I thought was that running play where Evans abandons his gap and then he's out of the game and they list him questionable with a quad injury. I mean, I don't think that they'd be in the, in the business of, of quote unquote, you know, faking or making up injuries in order to pull a guy from a game, but Evans comes out and, and Monty Rice plays, I think it was about 15 snaps in his absence. And, and to be fair, I mean, he's a third round rookie getting his real first taste of NFL action. He doesn't look ready, right? He didn't look ready on Sunday. The 15 snaps, I think, left a lot to be desired out there. So he, he is what he is. He's a third round pick. That's more for the future. Uh, so uh, go, going back to my original point, is Evans play disappointing? Yes. Uh, did he suffer an injury on Sunday? Yes. Uh, is Monty Rice not ready to play? Yes. So it couldn't really be any of these reasons or all a combination of all of them. Uh, and I kind of lean towards the the latter there uh, of why they would bring in Avery Williamson. And it's an interesting addition, right? I, but I, I do think they are unhappy with the play yeah. of Rashawn Evans. And it wouldn't shock me, you know, Jayon Brown is still on IR. He's got a couple weeks to go. It, it wouldn't shock me if Williamson comes in here and, and rather quickly takes snaps away from Rashawn Evans. The interesting thing to me is going to be, I think David Long's going to wear the green dot. So you don't need Avery Williamson to learn all your play calls and be the captain of your defense. And keep in mind, even though he spent four years here, it's not like he's coming back to a defense he knows. This is a totally different situation, totally different staff. Totally, yeah, everything's a new team. It's a familiar city, but it's a new team. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how quickly Williamson can get up to speed. I've seen some David Long slander criticism i guess is a better word thrown around on twitter over the last couple of days and i don't know if it's necessarily warranted i think that you know he's really aggressive he plays very fast and instinctual he missed a few tackles but i'd rather he be in the backfield trying to make a play and being over aggressive than be what rashawn evans is where you just randomly decide to be out of your gap or you just freeze flat-footed when the ball is snapped and don't go Spain anywhere and coverage like, yeah or you running in circles was it mike retired mike who posted that clip of evans running literal circles in and coverage i think we can say that about long we're saying you rather have a player like that who's aggressive and shoots gaps and tries to get into the backfield that's all fine and dandy but i think we could also acknowledge that he didn't play a great game on sunday right so if there's any slander for him uh like this is a week-to-week league it's a week-to-week game uh, he didn't play a great football game on Sunday. It just is what it is. Kind of got picked on a little in coverage too. I think PFF yeah. had him giving up like eight catches on eights or, or something to, to that tune. And he, and look, he made some play. I thought he made some good tackles as well on Sunday, but he also missed a few, a, little, a few more than you would regularly see him miss. So I think it's fair to say, look, he didn't play a great game on Sunday. It's also fair to say he's been pretty good throughout this year and he's certainly their best linebacker. He did lead the Titans with 12 tackles on Sunday as we accidentally get into a game recap here before we finish out the news um and he had a tackle for loss as well but yeah you're right he wasn't very good in coverage let's talk about tyson brelo deciding to retire which really hurts the titans tackle depth i mean who what is going on with the titans tackles you know it's just like the titans cannot get the tackle did jack conklin curse the position on his way out the door or something like what what that. is up I'll tell you, that one has to hurt, man. I mean, I think people are probably selling it a little short. This is a guy that, you know, week two comes in unexpectedly, right, for Taylor Lewan against Seattle. Lewan's a late-minute scratch due to a, some knee discomfort. And Ty Sombrello comes in, and mind you, Seattle don't, don't employ a murderer's row of pass rushers. 
they got a couple of good guys, Rasheem Green, Benson Mayoa, uh, Daryl Taylor out of the University of Tennessee. There are guys there that can get after the quarterback. Uh, but certainly no one's going to call them a murderer's row, as, as I like to put it. Uh, but but Sombrello comes in, plays a great game. He was terrific in week two. So clearly a guy that still has it, is not over the hill, and really provided this team with great depth at the bookend position, at a position where they maybe need great depth, right? You look at Luan's yeah. obviously been better lately, but I think there's still those question marks there about his return from the ACL and, and he's had some uneven performances throughout the year, obviously. Then you look on the right side at, with, with David Kissenberry. Uh, he's been mostly good. He was quite poor against the Jets. Uh, but I think you'd like to have some Braylo there as your swing backup, right? A guy that can play both left and right tackle as you continue to deal with question marks at both positions. Yeah. Well, he up and retires now, and, and, and we don't know why. And I, I'd be curious to figure that one out because if people read too much into this stuff, probably just tired of dealing with some pain. You know, he tore his ACL last year. Remember, he missed a lot of July and August training camp preseason. This is a guy that's been banged up, right? So more than line, I'm totally speculating, but he's probably just at a point where that pain maybe he's not used, uh, not worth dealing with on a daily basis anymore. That's why most guys retire, especially yeah. early, right? He's not a he's not a veteran guy that's thirty pushing 34, 35, 36 years old. He's a relatively young player, so you, you got to think uh, the pain. Yeah, he's not that young. What is he? 30? No, but he's not. Oh, he's not 29. old. 29. Oh, he's 29. born three days he's after. not an old player yeah. by any means necessary. So, and to retire in season, a 29 year old, it is obviously a little surprising. So again, I'm totally speculating and, and I would guess it, you know, pain management, that shit gets a lot to deal with in the NFL yeah. at some point. So we wish him the best, obviously happy retirement to him. A, a great dude. I, I, I know his people pretty well and they always speak very highly of him. Um, but the, the, the impact it has on the Titans. I mean, look who your backup tackles are now. You well, know, your lamb has played 13 snaps this year, 13 bad snaps. I mean, he came in against Arizona. He I, I think 12, there was 12 yeah. against Arizona and was really bad. And he played one snap against Jacksonville on Sunday, which I don't, I didn't even notice him and on the he field. He got so. worked against the Cardinals, right? In week yeah, one. I mean, I mean, fair Chandler Jones was in a rhythm, obviously he was having a great game, but boy, I mean, you go back and watch all 13, all 12 snaps, whatever it was. And he might've lost all of them. Well, then that's the biggest issue to me is that Kendall lamb, is probably way more comfortable on the right side. And Tyson Brelo was your guy who stepped in on the left side and played really well. And now you don't have that guy. So what do you do? Do you put, if let's say Luan has to miss a game, Questenberry moved to left side and Lamb at right tackle, or do you put Lamb back at left tackle where he struggled immensely in week one? Who knows? Kissenberry played left tackle last year, as we all yeah. know, and played it well. So that could be an option. Uh, I love how you didn't even think to mention Dylan Radins, who... Well, he's a guard now, now apparently, so... I'm sorry? <laughs> he's a guard now, apparently, so I, well, why would I? <laughs> uh, Keith Carter, by the way, you might have missed this. I know you had a really busy day, but a couple hours before the Sombrello news broke, uh, and, and clearly the, the team was already aware, obvi- you know, obviously, of, of Ty's decision to retire. Keith Carter uh, got up on the podium and, you know, obviously was fielding questions for, for Titans regular media day on Tuesday. And they asked him about Dylan Radins, of course. And he, I thought it was, the comments were interesting. He said Radins was the next man up. And again, we didn't know about Ty's retirement at the time. So it was kind of like, huh, that doesn't sound really accurate. He called him the next man up. He said he's close and we envision him getting an opportunity soon. So, 
that was interesting. And he talked about, by the way, Corey Levin coming in at left guard over him. He chalked that up to two things, said Dylan, while we had him learn guard over the summer, he was working at right guard, not left guard for us, A. And B, Levin had more practice reps throughout the week than Raidens did. So Levin was just ready to play left guard, whereas Raidens is not really prepared. So, I mean, that that was probably fair and honest, truth be told. If a guy's not playing left guard and Levin's getting all the work or or the backup work in practice there, then, hey, it it is what it is. But he did call Raidens the next man up. And I'm on, I mean, we hope, look, you knock on wood, you hope you don't find out. But if something does happen at tackle there, hell, even it's for just a series. If it's on the left side, look, Raiden's played left tackle in college. I know we all know they drafted him to be a right tackle, but remember, they were asking him to make the switch because he played left tackle at North Dakota State. So theoretically, he may be a guy that's more comfortable on the left side than Kendall Lamb is. Yeah, true. So true. That'd be interesting. if something happens, again, knock on wood, but if something happens to Luan, whether it's a series or two, heck, even if something happens at right tackle, that's where you drafted him to play. Is it Kendall Lamb or Dylan Radens? We don't know. We hope we won't find out. But realistically, we probably will find out at some point, right? The chance is that. Yeah, that's football. So that we'll probably see them at some point. I totally agree. All right, enough talk about random news. It doesn't matter. We did do some game recap stuff in there as well. Some tidbits about the defense, which we'll talk more about in a sec, because let's move to it. Brett Kern to the COVID list. He's been out a couple of weeks, so it's not a really a big deal. That's all I'm going to say on it. Didn't want to not mention it. The Titans dominate the Jaguars. I know it wasn't really a dominating. It didn't feel like they dominated if you were watching it live. A lot of frustrating things happening throughout the game. But ultimately, when you win 37 to 19 against a division opponent, that's a pretty dominant win. We had Kevin Byard scoring his first NFL touchdown on the first play of the first or second play of the game. Third. Uh, I think it was third down. Third third down. You're right. First third down of the game. First series. Dan Arnold catches a pass in the flat, fumbles almost immediately. I definitely thought it was a fumble. The announcers, the commentators, uh, and the referee commentator were very skeptical that it was a fumble. It was a pretty clear fumble to me. Kevin Byard scoops it up, takes it to the end zone, Titans score to take an early lead. Overall, I think the defense was pretty good in this game. We obviously talked about that huge run to Robinson, Rashawn Evans being out of his position. He also, Rashawn Evans, dove over the goal line on a play-action play from the one-yard line. Like, totally, what are you doing? Just, like, read the play. Don't just dive without, like, what? whatever. So even goal line Rashawn Evans hasn't been the same player. <laughs> like, he's if he's not good on the goal line, then he's really useless. Sorry, enough about Evans. Um... They also gave up that huge catch and run to LaVisca Chenault. They also ended up in a situation where Harold Landry was covering a tight end in the end zone, which was not a great situation to be in. They were in a, the offense came out in a heavy personnel package. The defense usually matches that kind of package. And then they spread out all the tight ends and the Titans didn't call timeout and just let Harold Landry play one-on-one with a pass catcher. That's not going to go very well, very often, but ultimately Jaguars three of 10 on third down. It's a pretty successful day for a defense that was historically awful on third downs last year. So overall takeaways from this game, Justin. I don't want to take a negative point of view. Uh, They won the game by three scores. I don't know that I would say they played an excellent game of football. I thought some of the tackling issues, 
uh, Jacksonville moved the ball pretty well at times. Look, they, they, you know, they got down to the goal line that one time and look, credit the Titans for making a stop. That was a great job by TR Tart, by the way, there on fourth down uh, to get instant penetration in the backfield and, and blow that play up. I believe Chris Jackson was in on that as well. We played about 55 plays, by the way, Chris Jackson seems to be playing an increased role um, almost on a weekly basis, but uh, I, I thought they played a, a good, not great game. I think some of the pass protection issues were still there and, and we'll get to that more in depth shortly. But uh, I thought Tannehill, you know, I think what was he sacked three times. And I thought there were a couple of other instances where he was under some duress and he got hit and, and quite a bit. So uh, I'm not thrilled with the pass protection. I, I don't think that we can say they took much of a step forward. I mean, sure. It was better than it was against New York, but it was a disaster against the Jets. We'll talk so, about that more in a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think it was. I don't think pass protection was very good. Obviously, run defense was bad. Tackling was bad uh, as as well. And, and and again, Vrabel talked about that. And, and and again, don't bringing in Avery Williamson, who's a two down thumper and is a great tackler in the run game. Don't be surprised if that had a little to do with that, right? With how poor they were in that area on Sunday. So I, I think there were still some pretty clear cut issues there. Look, they won 37, 19. That's terrific. Uh, no doubt about it. But I, I thought there were still some issues um, that, that need improving specifically the pass protection, which has been an issue all year long. Agreed. The Jaguars are not a good football team. This was their 20th consecutive loss. They haven't won since week one last year. They beat the Colts. Yeah. Since they beat the Colts last year in week one, they lost uh, 15 straight to close the year last year. And they've lost the first five games of this year. Urban Meyer, I think uh, had never lost four games in a season in his life, or maybe never lost four games or something. That doesn't seem right. There was some stat about that. Urban Meyer captaining the Jaguars ship with everything that went down before last week's game. And then after the game, they're asking him why James Robinson didn't touch the ball very much in the second half. Why Carlos Hyde is in on that fourth and goal play. And he said something like, I don't micromanage the personnel, which everyone's been making fun of. But at the same time, like, yeah, that is your offensive coordinator and your position coach's jobs there. Of course, you'd think the head coach would maybe say something when it's a big fourth down play, but you know, the Jaguars are a disaster. So it's, again, it's hard to say that the Titans were really great. This kind of game can beat a team like the Jags, but can it beat a team like Buffalo next Monday night? No My chance if they play the way that they played on Sunday. They have to clean up these pass protection issues. They have to clean up the defensive issues, the big plays. You know, the, the Bills will take advantage of any big play. One thing that concerns me is Christian Fulton exited with a hamstring injury, tried to come back and was immediately injured, almost immediately injured again, and did not look good the way he was laying there on the ground. They called it a hamstring, so we'll have to track his status when practice and injury reports come out throughout this week. But I would honestly, just based on the way he looked during that game, I'd be kind of surprised if he was ready to go by Monday night. And that would be really concerning, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at ahead to this Buffalo game a little, and look, we're going to reel things back, and I know we'll preview it with Joe Marino a little later, but... I think of how how much pressure Buffalo got on Patrick Mahomes just rushing four and how much damage they're doing up front with those four pass rushers. I mean, guys like Gregory Rousseau is a rookie, looks good. Obviously, what the guys they have inside and Mario, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and all the guys that they have on that defensive line, um, I think there are some pretty pretty clear advantage and in, 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 in that narrow points Buffalo's way there, right? With the way Tennessee been protecting the quarterback and the way Buffalo's getting after guys with just rushing four. I, I look at what Josh Allen is doing and his ability to create off script and, 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 and what he did to Kansas. I mean, there was one point in the game against Kansas City where he had 261 yards on nine completions. 
Yeah, it was crazy. He only had 15 <laughs> total. Whatever it was. And he ended the game, by the way, he ended the game with like 21 yards per completion. Yeah, 15 so completions for 320-something yards. On 15, on 15 completions. completions. So, I'll, and look, if you watch the game, a lot of that came off script, broken plays. He's finding guys down the field for big gains. Well, what have the Titans secondary been, uh, been, you know, what have they been giving up, right? What has been one of their weaknesses? It's You saw it against Zach Wilson. You saw it a little against Russell Wilson as well. It's given up the big play off script. So there, there are a lot, there are some things here that are quite concerning. Now you add a Christian Fulton injury to the mix. What would you, how would you approach that? By the way, I don't even know what you would do when Breon borders has played. He has you been throw, bad. You throw Caleb Farley out there and you say, I know you're not ready to cover Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders two incredibly good route runners, but we don't have another option right now. You're an uber athlete. You're going to get burned a couple of times, but maybe you'll make a couple of great plays as well, and those could swing the tide of the game because you know Breon Borders is going to get burned and probably not have that 4-3 oh. makeup speed to try to recover and make some plays in there as well. You're probably right, but I would— your first-round hate- pick. You got to get say this. reps at some point. I, I get you. I, I hear you loud and clear. And look, let me prefix this by saying— I love Caleb Farley. I had a high grade on him. You can go back and look at my draft board, and I spoke nothing but excellent things, and I still love the pick. I think he's going to turn out well for them. But I would feel very uncomfortable with Caleb Farley playing this game against Josh Allen and the Bills. I mean, look, he played 22 snaps on Sunday, by the way, which was the most he's played so far. I think he only has 32 total snaps this year on defense. 22 of them occurred on Sunday. He didn't look ready. I'm, I'm just sorry. I mean, he got called for a defensive holding play near the goal line there. Gave Jacksonville a, a set of new downs and it almost bit them in the, in the you know what. Uh, and then on, I think it was the very next play, he's covering Chenault out there on, on the outside and LaVisca had him beat for a touchdown. No doubt about it. And, and, and Lauren simply missed the throw. But And look, it's a small sample size, but you look at the hold, you look at him getting beat there. Now ask him to go play, you know, 70 snaps against Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and and and, and what Cole Josh Beasley, Allen's going to do. Davis, Dawson Knox. It, I mean, Colby, I mean, just a ton of a murderer, a murderer's row. I'll use that term again. This one actually is a murderer's row of receivers and offensive weapons. Uh, I don't think it'd go well for him, but it's you're right. It's not going to go well for Breon Borders either, but uh, I, think I feel comfortable saying either one of them would probably be a disaster in this game. Well, you don't ask him to go man-to-man. You don't put him on an island. I think the Titans need to go heavy zone in this game anyway. Force everything underneath. Make Josh Allen play the patient game. Take in the underneath plays. Which he doesn't love doing. Exactly. And and that's how the Titans beat them last year. And they got Josh Allen impatient. And he started throwing downfield when it wasn't there into double coverage zones. And Malcolm Butler had a pick six in that game last year. He had two interceptions in the game. And... Yeah, I think that that's the same kind of formula you have to play with here, and you just hope that your young guys can communicate in the secondary to play that the kind of zone coverage you'll need to play with linebackers dropping underneath into the throwing lanes and not asking that you don't go single high safety with Caleb Farley on an island out on um, uh, Stefan Diggs. You don't do that even one play the whole game. And the Titans have been doing this thing. I think the biggest cause for concern not the biggest cause for concern the biggest cause of struggle on the defense this year has been this desire to confuse the opposing quarterback at at so much that it's at a detriment to the defense's ability to play the coverage that they've called because they they want to dis- disguise it so much this goes all the way back to week 1 against the cardinals when they're all lined up behind the behind the sticks on a third and six play because they don't want to give away that it's like a, a blitz or single coverage blitz or something and they want to make it look like zone or i don't know what the goal is but it's like 
Just help your defense your defense out. Don't make them have to rotate late after the snap. Line up and play. And if Josh Allen can read what you're doing, but your defense knows how to communicate and knows what they're doing, that's okay, in my opinion. So I think that's how the defense attacks. You have to attack Josh Allen in this game. Uh, we're way off topic, so let's steer the conversation back to the offense on Sunday against Jacksonville. Pretty good performance outside of, again, those sacks. A.J. Brown still doesn't look like himself. Hopefully, he'll be more healthy on Monday. Hopefully, Julio's back by then, too. Anthony Ferkser had a few catches underneath. Marcus Johnson had a, had a couple of plays that looked nice. But overall, it's like the passing game is not working right now. Titans have a lot of work to do to get the passing game back on track. But luckily, Derrick Henry has been an absolute beast. And Jeremy McNichols in the passing game has been an uh, underrated weapon as well. Cameron Batson has been a nice little gadget player, but all those players are only making plays because Derrick Henry has been an absolute stud. He had another huge game back in Jacksonville near his hometown of Uli, three touchdowns, 130 yards. He's just dominating every opponent he takes the field against, but, and the Titans are letting him and they are riding him, but this is one of the big topics I wanted to cover with you today. Derrick Henry has 142 carries this season. Since 1950, one running back has more carries through his team's first five games than what Derrick Henry has right now. So like, yes, we're not in the age of running back bell cows anymore, and it's so abnormal what Derrick Henry's doing. But even in the age of bell cow running backs, nobody was carrying the ball as much as Derrick Henry has carried the ball through five games this year. He's on pace, as I said at the top of the episode, for 483 carries this year, which would be over 100 more carries than he had last year when he led the NFL in attempts. He has, he's averaging 28.4 carries per game, and he's on pace, by the way, for 2,176 rushing yards. So my question now, he's got 48 more carries in the next highest rusher, by the way, Nick Chubb, 48 more carries. Is Henry's workload sustainable over the course of a full season? Are you concerned that they are riding him too hard and that he won't be able to be productive as he always is as the year progresses into the winter months? You know, I think you kind of answered your own question there. Um <laughs> Second most in the team's first five games since 1950. Hasn't been done since 75, since OJ Simpson did it. And 28.4 carries a game, 483 carries on the year. If this average keeps up, I mean, look, Derrick Henry is different. Derrick Henry is not like other running backs. Uh, running backs don't matter, but Derrick Henry does. I'm a firm believer of all of those things. With that Same. said, I mean, this pace is still unsustainable. I mean, they can't run him 29 times a game in a 17-game season and then expect him to be fresh in the playoffs. Heck, I'll be honest, I thought they rode him a little too hard towards the end of last year, right? I mean, they were on that epic chase to get to 2,000 uh, in, in Week 16. And then, look, I'm not saying that that's why it happened, but you get to the puff game and Kansas City, I mean, sorry, Baltimore it was in, in, in the first playoff game, totally shut him down, right? So, ideally... No, this pace is not sustainable, and, and it doesn't keep up. I mean, look, they need to get A.J. Brown and Julio Jones healthy into the lineup and, and start producing in the passing game like they should be, like they paid to do with acquiring guys like Julio and, and whatnot. So that's one thing. And secondly, 
Uh, I would like to think at some point they're able to shut him down for a game or two. I mean, heck, maybe you've got the division clinched in week 15 or 16, whatever it is, and he doesn't play your last game or two. I mean, at that point, forget records. You're not screw trying to chase records. You make sure the man is is healthy and ready for the playoff run that you hope to to take, right? That yeah. was the goal when you traded for Julio, let's be honest, right? It's we can go win this thing. So you're going to need your horses healthy for, for, for that time. And clearly they're taking a cautious approach with everyone else, right? They shut down yeah. Julio Jones. They shut down Bud Dupree. AJ Brown missed the one game. It was a little surprising to see him come back after just a week, but I think some of that has to do with a sense of urgency after losing to the Jets. With that said, AJ didn't play a full workload, right? Uh, against Jacksonville. He was definitely on a bit of a pitch count. So they're being cautious with everybody else. AJ played 64% of the snaps. Yeah, I mean, they're being cautious with everybody but Derek right now. Uh, You know, so there's got to come a point in time where they, this season, where they take a bit more of a cautious approach with him. Darrington Evans is on the designated to return list. We'll find out later on Wednesday if he's been activated for this week or not. Of course, they have up until the game on Sunday to really activate him. Or Monday. So hopefully, you get till Monday. Or? Oh, Monday because it's a Monday night game. You're right. So hopefully, Evans can come back and take some of this workload off of Henry's shoulders. But then you you're concerned that Evans is just going to pull his hamstring on his first touch again, like as he's seems to do every time he touches the ball, he gets hurt. So hopefully Darrington Evans has the durability that he had in college when he was never hurt to come out and actually carry some of this load for Henry because what's crazy and is the, the, the other running backs on the Titans. No one has more than eight rush attempts outside of Derrick Henry. That's wild. I mean, no other running back. T- Tannehill has eight rushes. But this is a interesting situation where it's almost like an experiment where we can all kind of see – what's what's on the road ahead and we're wondering if the titans are just like i feel like coaches talk themselves into being the exception all the time like well it won't happen that way for us it's like well it won't derrick henry will be fine and then you know in week 12 when derrick henry breaks down because he has 400 carries in 12 games (laughs) then we're gonna see what happens so i don't know Well, well i guess uh something to monitor closely over the coming weeks but it's not like you can limit his touches in these next two games. You got the Bills and the Chiefs on deck. Well, we'll these see. are going to be we'll games see. where could you be down. need. Henry. It could be down twenty in the second quarter, and they may limit his touches uh, out of you know, like they did against Seattle. I think it was right when that's true. Uh, he didn't play a whole lot while they were chasing the game, but yeah, that could be the case. That could be the case. But you almost think that the Titans have to kind of play their game and control the clock against these offenses, and they're going to need a productive Derrick Henry. So Absolutely. I would think that the game plan is going to start and end with him as it as it has all all five th- games so far this year. I think we can both agree, though, and it sounds like we did that. Derrick Henry is different. We agree. But twenty eight point four carries a game over a 17, 17 game season. It, it just seems ridiculous. Let's take it down to like 20, which is still a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be NFL. great. Heck, I mean, I, I, I might settle at twenty one, twenty two. You know, I just twenty eight point four. It's just it's it's a lot. Plus the added receiving volume that he's seen this yeah. year is is it more he's, just more he's close to already I think setting a career high in receptions on yeah. uh, in a single season. So speaking of setting highs, let's move on to a new topic here because the Titans are on pace to set a bad high in terms of the number of sacks that Ryan Tannehill has taken. Ryan Tannehill leads the entire NFL in sacks taken with twenty. 
Last season, he took 26 the entire year. And that was with Taylor Lewan missing most of the season with a torn ACL and with the right tackle they drafted in the first round not playing football at all. So the fact that they only gave up 26 sacks all of last year and have given up 20 already this year, something really wrong is going on on this offensive line. They talked about it in the press conferences today, Keith Carter and others talking about the communication issues when it comes to picking up stunts comes to picking up blitzes, Nate Davis just like not moving when the ball is snapped on a run play and just letting Derrick Henry get run over and Jeff Swaim doesn't know how to block anybody and I don't understand why they keep trotting him out onto the field. But you you mentioned this last week that the offensive line communications shouldn't really be there when you got four guys from left tackle to right guard who have played together for years now. What is the deal with this offensive line? Why can't they get their shit together? I don't have the answer to that question. You know, I don't think anybody has the answer to that question. Right? I think Keith Carter is the paid professional who's trying to figure that out. Right. He talked about picking up stunts. We've seen some of the delayed blitzes kill them and they're getting overwhelmed. And, and then it's just a, a mirage of issues, right? Guys losing one-on-one battles. Like we saw Luan versus Chandler Jones in week one or Kendall lamb versus whoever uh, Nate Davis has been really poor this year, which is shocking. Uh, for, for how good he was last year. I think he received two all pro votes. I think it was last season. I, I, that's kind of the question to me. I, I, what's going on with Nate Davis? And I don't want to get away from the topic, uh, the larger point of view here at hand, but you know, he's been so disappointing. Obviously Luan has been uneven. And, and again, then, then you mix in the, the delayed blitzes and the, the failure to failure to pick up stunts and, and whatnot. And it's just a boatload of issues that, that need to get worked out before they get Ryan Tannehill hurt. Yeah, absolutely. He's not going to make it through a season the way that the the pace is going right now. He's yeah, speaking done a great of unsustainable job. paces. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> this is the, maybe the more concerning one. Even. Well, that's a great question. What's more concerning? If you could only eliminate one problem from here to week eighteen, would you rather eliminate the Tannehill sack problem? Tannehill doesn't get sacked nearly as much, but Henry continues to carry the ball near 30 times a game, or Henry gets down to 20, 22 carries a game, but Tannehill is getting lit up every play. I think this one's obvious, so, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough question because Henry's probably the most, yeah, I mean, ugh, Henry's the best player on the team, obviously. You're right? definitely no giving it to Henry 30 times a game if it means Tannehill yes. is not getting sacked anymore. I agree. <laughs> I, I do agree because... I think Henry is funny. We just called it ridiculous, but I do think Henry's more likely to be able to handle that pace than Ryan Tannehill is able to handle all these sacks. And it's just a matter of time before he gets hurt. If this keeps before one of these times, crazy. he doesn't get up very fast yeah. and we all go, Oh boy, it's time for Logan Woodside. And that's going to be a disaster. So yeah, offensive line just needs to learn how to communicate and play together and do better. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. It's not like, one guy's just getting worked. It's not like they're just losing one-on-one matchups. It's like all, like you said, all these issues coming together at once. Guys getting worked, stun speeding them, delayed blitz is not getting recognized. Backs in pass protection making mistakes. Jerry McNichols has made some mistakes in pass protection. Derek Henry missed a play, missed a pickup in pass protection. So these these things are, like you said, going against the Bills, a really ferocious front that likes to play games it's as well, and they're going to you know, you turn on the film and watch this Titans offensive line struggle with these types of games. You know they're going to roll them out this week on Monday night. So it's just one of those things where, like, this is probably my single biggest concern about the 2021 Titans is why can the offensive line not 
protect Tannehill. And it's we'll a huge challenge on Monday night. It's a huge yeah. challenge against Buffalo. And if they don't answer the bell, I'll tell you right now, uh, they're going to get blown out. Truthfully, yeah. if, if they don't protect Tannehill and, and, and they're letting Buffalo do whatever they want on defense and they can't move the ball, they're going to get blown out. It's going to be a long night and a lot of people are going to turn it off early. But we have Peyton and Eli to get us through it. So let's now get to our preview. We'll bring on our guest. He is a senior draft analyst for the Draft Network. He's on the Draft Dudes podcast. He also hosts the Locked on Bills podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. We are excited to welcome onto the show Joe Marino. How you doing tonight, Joe? Thanks for joining us. Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. And obviously looking forward to Monday Night Football between the Bills and Titans. This should be a pretty good game, I hope, at least. If it's not a good game, I don't think it's going to go in the Titans' favor. Of course, you know, might have said that going into last year's game, and everyone probably remembers what happened. The Titans caught the Bills by surprise after all that COVID stuff. But let's just jump right into this. In your unbiased opinion, if you can be, are the Bills the best team in the NFL? <laughs> Coming in with the, with the big-time question there. Um Here's the thing about the Bills. It's hard to forget about week one against Pittsburgh, which was obviously a big letdown game. I think it feels like it was so long ago, but it wasn't. And it was a situation where, in hindsight, we may look back at that game and realize it might have been the best thing to happen to the team, you know, coming in with a lot of expectations. Josh Allen, fresh off of signing that big time contract extension. First time with fans in the stadium since 2019. You know, that was the thing. The Bills had so much success last year, and none of the fans got to see it. So right. I think it all kind of worked together, plus a Pittsburgh team with a great defense. Yeah. And um, they laid an egg in week one. Since then, they've been pretty outstanding. And you can talk about the schedule. That's fine. They, they've beaten, I guess, four last-place teams, right, including the Chiefs, right? They haven't beaten a team with a winning <laughs> record yet. So it's it's definitely a, a weird feel when you, when you stack up uh, the resume and what they've accomplished this season and then you start to keep in mind the opponent, but it's, it's, you got to really look into the way they're winning. And these games haven't been close. We're talking about two shutouts already this year, holding the chiefs to 20 points at home at their stadium, winning by 18 points. Uh, obviously the Washington game was, was really impressive, both offensively and defensively. And, and the bills are humming, right? They, they have, when it comes to scoring the best scoring offense and the best scoring defense, they're playing really, really well. So I can make that case for them being number one, but it's, it's week five. Arizona has a lot to say about that. Tampa Bay has a lot they can say about that. Um, there's a lot of teams that are in that mix. And so they're in that upper echelon. And I, I, you know, sometimes we get caught up in these tiers and who's the best or, you know, which cornerback would you rather have? It's like, yeah, they're all in that top tier, right? It's the bills are a top tier team in the NFL. And, when you couple the talent on the roster, the trajectory of the team, what they accomplished last year, it adds up to pretty objectively a top five type team in the NFL. No doubt. 
And speaking of trajectory, I mean, I, I don't know that there's a quarterback that's been on a better one than Josh Allen over the last couple of years. And, and what have you sort of seen from him through the first five weeks of this season? I mean, he's getting a lot of MVP love. It, it's early, but it seems well-deserved. Uh, what have you seen from him this year and how has he kind of read over that momentum that he built in 2020? Yeah. Once you get past week one, Josh has really settled in and played extremely well. Um, he's just a dynamic player, right? He's got really special physical skill and he's got size. He's got athleticism. He's powerful and his arm talent allows him to access the entire field. He just presents a lot of challenges. And what's interesting about him so far this year in the bills offense in general is I think there's a lot of meat left on the bone. It's interesting on lockdown bills. I've been getting a lot of questions this week from listeners asking what's going on with Stefan Diggs? Why aren't they getting Cole Beasley involved more? Gabriel Davis hasn't been a factor. I thought we'd see more Isaiah McKenzie. And it's like, Whoa, like are the bills not scoring the most points in the NFL right now? It's, it's just (laughs) different. It's just a different feel. And their script has looked different week to week last year. It was spread formations. It was Josh Allen throwing the football all over the yard. They really couldn't run the football. Defense was okay. Now this year, they're just a more complete and balanced team. And, and so they're showing that they can win games in different ways. You go to the chiefs game. It wasn't the most methodical offense that you've ever seen, but the big plays were there. You go back to the Washington game and you did see the methodical approach. And so I think the bills are just a more balanced football team. And Josh Allen statistically might not be measuring up to exactly what he put up last year, but I might be able to make the case that he's been a better quarterback, right? Like he's leading a more, uh, an offense that's taking care of the football better. It's just, it's a more consistent, more balanced team. And so when you talk about the statistical piece of it, it just feels a little bit funny because all signs would indicate that he was a better player last year, but he might be actually a better player this year, despite the statistics, not suggesting that. So um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's tough to deal with. Obviously he's got a lot to prove against Tennessee and, and Sean McDermott's already said that, you know, this, this is a team that beat us last year and it wasn't a close game. You know, I think we could talk about some of the dynamics of the game getting shift around schedule wise. And, and maybe the bills didn't handle that extremely well. And the Titans definitely had this us against the world mentality, right? Everyone was so mad at Tennessee last year and to credit to Mike Vrabel and company, they embraced that and, and they played their best game. And so right. I, I think that you're going to see a hungry bills team that is ready to avenge or, or try to avenge that loss from last year. I know I, I went all over the place with that answer, but it, it's, kind of all cooked yeah. together to talk about where we are right now with Josh Allen and his football team. No, absolutely. I agree with most of what you said there, the bills offense. I mean, adding Emmanuel Sanders has been huge. Dawson Knox looks really good. In your opinion, what can the Titans even do to try to slow down what the bills are doing on offense? It's a really good question. Um, th- the bills can challenge you in a lot of different ways. And I think one of the things that, if I were to craft a game plan against the bills and Josh Allen is you got to play coverage. You've got to flood the passing lanes with all the bodies you can, you need to be able to drop seven players on every snap. It's not really going to be worth your time to send a lot of blitzes. And I know that Tennessee is not a super blitz aggressive defense, but this is one of those games where you look at guys like Harold Landry, you look at guys like Jeffrey Simmons and say, we need you to be game records up front. We need you to affect Josh Allen. And one of you is not good enough. Josh Allen will make that first guy miss. You need that complimentary pressure coming from multiple directions, but you have to do it 
with only four rushers, you start committing extra guys and you, there's just too much space for a guy like Josh Allen to challenge your secondary. So to me, you, you, you get Jeffrey Simmons, you get Harold Landry and say, boys, we need you. We need you to be dynamic this week because that's going to be your path to, to shutting them down. Obviously Kevin Byard on the back end has a potential to get some takeaways, those types of things. And Josh Allen's not averse to throwing a, a risky ball, you know, here and there. He, he, he definitely embraces his physical skill and, and thinks he can put the ball in places sometimes. But um, yeah, this is about your usually, superstar players getting after Josh Allen. I feel like usually he can put it wherever he wants. <laughs> You're not wrong, but it, there is that mentality. And if you can cue yeah. and diagnose and trigger and get ahead of that, like Kevin Bayard's the type of player that can do that. And so, right. you know, it's, it's a, the Titans defensively. I know they're got a lot going on, a lot of injuries. I, I studied them today actually. And I'm like, I can't really figure out who's playing and who's not playing. There's so many injuries or so many new pieces, uh, but we know Landry's going to be okay. We know Simmons is going to be okay. And those guys have to be game wreckers on Sunday. Sure would, be, uh, sure would be a good time for Bud Dupree to come back into the lineup and then mm-hmm. they, they kind of shut him down. Uh, for the last two weeks is his knee. And, and he gave a great, you probably didn't see that, but he gave a great candid interview where he was brutally honest about trying to come back a little too early from the ACL and he was feeling some pain. So they shut him down, but Graver, I don't know about you, but it sounds like a good time to try to get Bud Dupree. And Dino Autry has played some really good football this yeah. season for them as well. So they can get those four guys on the field and you're rushing with them four and you're dropping everyone else back. It sounds kind of ideal, uh, but that's if those guys can, can even play. Um, one thing, Joe, I, as good as this Bills offense has been, I don't know that anyone is totally shocked, right, based on what we saw last year. I mean, they were a terrific offensive team last year as well. As well. But when I switch over to the other side of the field and I look at the defense, I mean, 250 yards a game they're allowing right now, a shade under 13 points a game. Look at the mark, and you'll know this, obviously, but look at the marked improvements from a year ago. Yeah, we're only, you know, five weeks in, but they gave up 100 yards per game more, right? 350 yards a game last year and 10 points a game more, 23 points a game uh, per, uh, per game 2020. So talk a little about that. That defense is flying around. How, a, how has it happened? And B, are there any weaknesses to be exposed there? Yeah, the Bills definitely weren't their best version of themselves last year on defense. But if you go back to 2019, and 2018, I mean, the Bills were top three in defense, right? So they, they've been a good defense. Last year was kind of the blip in the radar, which I, I think you could point to a lot of different things. Number one, uh, not necessarily having the defensive line rotation figured out. You had injuries at linebacker. You had injuries at corner. Like they, they weren't healthy. And then I, I think getting accustomed to playing defense with a top-tier offense is a different vantage point, right, where you're used to uh, – not necessarily having teams with that type of urgency to have to score all the time to keep up with you. And I think that was a big shift for the bills defensively last year. Obviously they're on track this year. They're playing at an extremely high level. Um, what is contributed to that is it, it's, you have continuity, right? You have Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott have been running this defense since 2017 and literally all of the back seven in terms of linebackers in the secondary has been together since 2017 uh, minus Edmonds and Wallace who came in 2018. So you have uh, all of, all of your back seven has been together since 2018. Most of it since 2017, there isn't a route combination. They haven't seen, you know, they're, they've, they've seen it all right. They've played off each other. They understand spacing. They know how to play off of each other. And that con- communication 
and the continuity in the back seven has been critical. Then they've reworked this defensive line with Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham, and, and you still have Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, Ed Oliver's here, Starla Tulele's here. You know, a lot of talent up front, and so you have a lot of talent, a lot of continuity, and great coaching. Yeah, defense should be good, right? And, and, and they've delivered so far. Joe, we really appreciate your time tonight. We're going to close it out here with one more question for you. Basically, want to get your thoughts on how this game will really go. What do you expect we actually see? on Monday night, and if you're up for it, maybe a, sc a score prediction. Well, I think from the Titans side of things, you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry, right? That's that's their identity as a football no, team. No Josh Spoiler Norman. Alert. No Spoiler Josh alert. Norman to you know, uh, stiff arm this year, huh? Can, can we talk about that play? <laughs> I, I, which we've <laughs> yes, seen please. a billion times, and it was a just yeah, very, very bad moment for Josh Norman. But why didn't Derrick Henry get the first down in that play? It was a, there was a hold or a false offsides or some, some. Why didn't you get the first down? Like, go get the first down, dude. You made this guy look like a straight up clown. And then you, you didn't get the first down. Like, then he went out of bounds. After like a Josh Norman did his job, right? Like <laughs> embarrassing moment, but go get the first down, Derek. Yeah. So we're going to see a lot of Derek Henry, which is really interesting. And I, I, I certainly didn't come on this podcast to just say all these great things about the bills. But the Bills have done well with Derrick Henry. Uh, played him three times, right? 2018, 2019, and 2020 under Coach McDermott. Last season, it was the lowest yardage he's he put up in that crazy good year he had last year. 19 rushes, 57 yards. The year before that, 20 rushes, 78 yards. That was his fifth lowest total of the season in 2019. And then 11 for 56 in 2018. The Bills sure. have played Derrick Henry, and he's not necessarily been the reason why Tennessee has had success, you know, even last year in the big route, I know he had a couple of rushing touchdowns, but I don't think we go back and say, you know, Derrick Henry was what killed the bills. I mean, Tannehill was unbelievable in that game. And the yeah. bills certainly struggled a lot defensively outside of handling Derrick Henry. Um, so I I'm anxious to see how that evolves. Um, and if, if he has more success this year, because we know they're going to lean into it. I was really surprised that, I mean, he has 142 rushing attempts this season. Nobody else in the Titans has more than eight. I mean, this is Derrick Henry and, and the, uh, the, the pass blocking hasn't been there for Tannehill. I know that the, the weapons around him are very different this year and they um, have been injured. Right. So it's kind of hard, new offensive coordinator, a lot of new things working together here that has put this offense behind the eight ball. And so I'm interested in how it looks, right? Because like they're, there's too much talent on this Titans team, both offensively and defensively in my mind for them to perform consistently the way that they have, right? There's some, we always talk about regression to the mean. We don't talk enough about ascension to the mean. Like there's, there's yeah. things that are going to get better for Tennessee. I don't know if it happens this week, right? But it's got to happen at some point. And so I, I, I think because there's so many unknown variables with Tennessee in terms of availability and, and how pieces are going to work together that it's hard to really get a gauge on what this script is going to look like. Yeah. It's in Nashville. It's a tough place to go play. The crowd's going to be into it. But um, I know that Justin and I, we talk all the time. I think one thing that Titans fans are, are probably going to be, I don't know if they're going to cling to or what the word I'm looking for is, but they're going to put some stock into the bills beating Kansas city having a bye week next week and thinking potentially this is a 
uh, an emotional letdown, if you will. A trap. And so, sort of a trap game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see why you would come up with that. I believe in the leadership of the Bills and Coach McDermott and the fact that they lost this game last year, that they'll be dialed in and ready to play. But I think it's a worthwhile talking point. So I say all that to say that the script for this game is difficult to figure out. I, I think the Bills are certainly capable of winning this game. And I think that most people probably think that they will. But between the unknowns of this Tennessee team and maybe – there is some trap elements here for Buffalo that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can see it going either way. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know health, what to expect right. either. Yeah. I think health is obviously huge, right? I mean, if they can get Julio Jones back, if they can get Bud Dupree back, I mean, uh, Kristen Fulton will be one to watch throughout the week because he's by far the best player in the secondary and, and he went down with an injury. So I, I think health will have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate Joe's time tonight previewing this game. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. We look forward to Monday night football. Joe, have a great week weekend. And thanks again for joining us. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, we hope you guys appreciated that conversation with Joe. What a smart guy. Definitely knows football and knows the bills inside and out. We're thrilled to get his expertise added to our analysis. And I guess we'll wrap this thing up with some score predictions. You see a, a Titans upset on the horizon here? That's tough, man. I, I, I'm just hoping for a good, close, competitive football game. That's all I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping for. Them to hold up in pass protection and then for it to be an exciting game that goes down to the wire. We've had some terrific games on primetime this year. Uh, a whole boatload of them already, actually. I mean... Baltimore, Kansas City a couple weeks ago. Heck, Baltimore, Indianapolis on Monday night started horribly and ended up being a great game that went to overtime. You had Dallas, Philly, uh, in, 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 sorry, uh, excuse me, Dallas, Tampa Bay in week one to open the yeah. year on Thursday night football. Heck, the Giants-Washington Thursday night uh, football game was pretty good. I think it was the following week. So we've had a lot of good primetime games. The whole world is going to be tuned into this one. The Bills have a great reputation. Everyone's high on them. I, I you know, uh, I do think they're the best team in the NFL right now. Truth be told, I would have them number one in my power rankings personally. Whole world's yep. going to be tuning in. We always talk about a lack of respect for the Tennessee Titans, despite all these winning seasons they've had in a row, despite these deep you know, playoff runs that they've made. Well, if they want respect, then they, they don't even have to flat out win the game, but they got to play an exciting brand of football and they got to take it down to the wire. And that's what I'm hoping for. No, if you want respect, you beat the New York Jets. <laughs> And go to four and one and look at the division where the next closest team has one win and you're a dominant control. Instead, you blow the game to the Jets because I don't know why you took it too lackadaisically. You can't protect (laughs) Ryan Tannehill. And now you're in this situation where you have to win one of these next two games, Bills or Chiefs, just to prove to the rest of the league that you're on the same level. And they're not on the same level, but the Titans think that they are on the same level. And I know the Chiefs are a two and three team right now, but let's be real. You know, you don't lose two games. The Chiefs have two games where they lost a turnover battle four to zero. It's going to be really hard to win games like that. If the Chiefs don't turn the ball over four times against the Titans, I don't see any way the Titans win. So that's going to be the I mean, key. I, I don't know. Turnovers. I mean, I think, the, I think the Chiefs have some very real issues on defense. Sorry on defense, for sure. Usually their offense real can issues. overcome those issues. And the reason that they haven't been able to is because they keep turning the ball over. On and off, but they're moving, they're moving the ball. Well, some guys are dropping passes, and then Mahomes is either like dropping a snap and letting he's the thrown Bills a couple, he's had it. his bad plays too. I mean, we know he he's thrown a couple bad interceptions. Let's 
keep it True. real, right? We know Mahomes is Mahomes. It's almost illegal to criticize him, but he, he's made a couple <laughs> bad plays this year. He just well, it is what it is. He's maybe not even a top five quarterback in terms of weeks one through five performance this season. I'm not yeah, I mean, saying it, he's you, not the one of the most talented quarterbacks, sure, but this sure, season sure. performance. I mean, Justin yeah, Herbert is Allen. Allen, Herbert, Herbert, Kyler Murray have been the three best quarterbacks in the league. Lamar has been better than Lamar and Brady are up there as well. That might be your top five right there. I think it is. Yeah. So So, anyway, we're getting off topic there, but clean his his game up. But Josh Allen does not have to clean his game up because he's been on fire. And I think that they are going to come into Nashville riding on this insane high with lots of Buffalo fans probably at the game, jumping through tables outside Nissan Stadium before the game starts. And with all kinds in. of foul shit. That's what and, yeah, the Bills fans, who knows what they're going to be into. And they're going to come into Nashville and come into Nissan Stadium and lose. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> I picked the Titans in our Broadway pick'em. And I'm sticking with it. I do think the Titans are a good matchup for the Bills. I mean, they have potentially the mental edge after dominating them last year. Obviously, Buffalo is going to come back with that revenge game mindset. That's going to last all of half of the first quarter, I think, if that long. You know, that that will get the team hyped up when they're jumping around pregame. But, you know, teams use anything to get hyped up when they're jumping around pregame. So I don't think that's actually going to impact the play of this game. So I think the Titans win a close one late. 3128. You know, I, I got a question for you. And I mean, maybe this question doesn't make sense because you just picked them to win anyway, but you talked about respect there, and I talked about it too, yada yada. How much better would you feel about this team if they didn't have the stinker against the Jets? Probably a lot better. I, I think the narrative about this game would be a little different. Even from the outsider's point of view, they're both four and one, yeah. they've won four games in a row. It would be It'd a be more different. hyped matchup if they were going in at four and one and the Titans had taken care of business against the Jets the way the not maybe the same way, but the way the Bills took care of business against the Texans and won 40 to zero. Um, you know, the Titans, fun fact, the Titans are the only current division leader with less than four wins. Every other division leader is four and one, except the Cardinals, who are five and oh, the Titans three and two AFC South. By far the fewest number of wins of any division right now. Absolute dumpster fire division. So luckily the Titans don't have to do a whole lot to make the playoffs. But like you've said on this podcast many times, the goal is much more than just winning a division and having a limping into the playoff. Yeah, and, and having one playoff game. So Titans have a lot of issues to clean up. But like I've said many times, it's all about getting better as the year goes on. We'll see if they can continue improving on Monday night. Hopefully A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are ready to go. Hopefully Bud Dupree is ready to chase Josh Allen around. And uh, I don't think we'll see Avery Williamson this quickly, but who knows? Who knows? The linebackers have been bad, so who knows? All right. Anything else to add? Final thoughts before we close it? I think that does it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I have a final thought to add because we promised it last week. If you guys leave us a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show. And we got one this week from P. Tyler 51 who says, Gravedigger! I religiously listened to the ATN Play podcast and found out about Gravedigger and this show from there. I am now a religious listener of this podcast as well. I can't wait for Gravedigger to take over the ATN podcast. Maybe he can put a stop to Dan Hans's calling the Titans the Titoons. <laughs> Long-running joke on ATN was Dan would call the Titans the Titoons. But yes, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to any 
If there are any other new listeners who found our show because the Around the NFL crew shouted us out multiple times, the ATN crew let me come on and do the Sunday Night Football recap last week while they were traveling back from London. So really appreciate Dan, Greg, and Erica, and Mark Sessler as well, who should be back soon with the ATN podcast. So thank you for that review. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate everyone tuning in. And if you leave a review of five stars on Apple Podcasts. We'll definitely shout you out on the show because we appreciate you shouting us out in those comments. All right, that'll do it. Thanks again to everyone. Thanks again to our guest, Joe Marino. You can follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Justin is at Justin M underscore NFL. I, of course, am at Titans Film Room. We'll be back next week to talk about this game on Monday night and preview the Kansas City Chiefs game. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.